Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Dungeon Doomhands Let's Talk Lore, where we talk about various topics relating to Dungeons and Dragons gameplay. I'm Spencer. And I'm Chris, and our goal is to give you a short episode to enhance your gameplay. Let's get after Let's it. Let's go. All right, I think we're live. Welcome back. Uh, another episode of Dungeon Doomhands Let's Talk Lore, episode four. I'm Spencer, and this is... And I'm Chris. Let's get after it. Yeah, let's get after it. What topic did you want to discuss uh, today, Chris? Hold on, let me pull up my notes. I had it and then I lost it. So, uh, some lore questions. Lore question. Okay. Um, lore. Okay. Lore. Let's do the it. The Shadowhide Realm. Okay. Viewers, if you don't know what the Shadowhide Realm is, uh, Chris and I are in a three, almost three, three and a half, three to three and a half year uh, campaign. Homebrewed. Everything's homebrewed. Uh, we have. Uh, built the world together um, slowly. I have slowly started to trust the players to help me build the world we're in, um, like all dungeon masters should do eventually. And one realm in that world is called the Shadow Hut Realm. Mm-hmm. Is the, the name of the episode. What do you want to talk about? What kind of questions do you have? So the uh, the first question I had, and I didn't even see the title. First question I had is about the feud, the war between the centaurs, minotaurs, and orcs. Okay. So, so my my question about that is, uh, I know you you draw your inspiration in all the different factions. So, what was your inspiration with the, the three different groups? Well, uh, you got to remember, you guys had just left the Artemisian forest where you found the green skull, and. I had split up the skull, um, and you'll, uh, viewers, uh, there's a previous episode where we go into what that, the backstory of the whole thing, where um, this, this power skull that was given down to Agoth Doomhand to choose between goddesses um, that was created by the evil lord Bane, who's a god of, I guess, just pretty much an evil dude, uh, split, the skull was split up into multiple pieces, so forming their own skulls. The green skull... Uh, was found in the forest, and that related to nature and life. And Chris had the pleasure of playing a. Well, I think he had the pleasure. <laughs> Very much was the pleasure. Yeah, of playing uh, a character who had a relationship to the Green Skull. I've scripted this uh, story so that each character has a unique relationship to a specific portion of that large skull to try to keep their characters uh, close to the story um, while we create this world around us. Anyway, the Shadowhide Realm is the second large realm that we uh, go into after the forest, and it's mostly desert, and it's the home of the orcs, the minotaurs, and the centaurs, and I decided that they would be in war, knowing that you guys had chose the Red Skull. Uh, to go after next mm-hmm. and since the red skull and the relationship with the color red um, and all the meanings behind it you have uh, rage war love the mythology behind that i felt like the land needed to be in war and what better war mm-hmm. than a water war 
orcs, the minotaurs, and the centaurs. So that was the reasoning behind the fights, or the war rather. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of other things that went on in that in that desert. During this particular yes. portion of the game, this was when I kind of opened it up a little bit. Uh, I felt like after playing almost, I don't know, <laughs> six months, uh, maybe longer with you guys, uh, I felt like I knew everyone. I kind of know their playing styles, knew what they were after. So I felt a little bit easy giving a little bit up to let your characters sort of define where everything goes yeah not necessarily like the areas but like where do you guys want to go what do you want to do like i had no idea you guys were going to side with orcs or minotaurs and and centaurs uh and i i also wanted to introduce a god in that area and i wanted to use char even though char is found mostly in like the underworld she's sort of like the hidden mistress of the night she's really evil uh, very manipulative. I think her whole idea is, and I might be wrong, is very secretive, um, and she she sort of is about the void, nothingness. So her symbol is the red ring, or the sorry, the purple ring with the black in it. I, I believe, if and correct me if I'm wrong. Please uh, put some comments down if I'm wrong. Please correct me. I will make sure that some NPC shows up to correct someone. No promises whether or not he dies immediately. <laughs> about the fact that I think that that black circle within the purple ring is supposed to be symbolic of the void. And how Char the goddess gets there is to just you know, manipulate and destroy all things. And I wanted to emphasize mostly the manipulative portion of it. Um, you don't really ever see Shar until the Centaura, where all the centaurs are sort of uh, worshipping. They're going through the, I think there's a, it's called the Nightfall Ceremony. I forgot exactly what ceremony that was. But yeah, it's the big sacred ceremony where um, some sacrifice is made and uh, perhaps the avatar of Shar shows up, which she did. Turns out that you guys, just as I, I didn't plan this, you guys sided with her as I believe Ivo, lucky Ivo, ran out of the building. He was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and she followed him trying to um, destroy it. But anyway, I had the centaurs worship her. The orcs were worshiping her. And uh, the minotaurs were sort of stuck in the middle. And what was unique about the Shadowhide realm was that there was a specific trick in the only water pool in the desert that you could that was around to, to sustain you know your thirst and and survive this water had a specific power to it that allowed the person to take a piece of flesh from another being mix it with the water and turn into that being still remaining mm -hmm. conscious of, of oneself, but you know you could turn into a minotaur. Yeah. So in that way, I tried to stay true to Char's manipulation, and manipulative ways of going about doing things. The whole, the whole feud and Char's manipulation and it, uh, that potion, the the liquid, made for some interesting, fun interactions. Uh, no one trusted anyone in the desert, not even 
people are their own faction. So I had a question. You guys went through um, the, the desert. You met this guy named Sidney Crosby. Um, don't yeah. ask me why I chose Sidney Crosby. I think it was because the Rangers <laughs> were in the playoffs and that seemed like a good a good name. Spoiler alert: He died very gruesomely. We'll, we can talk about that later. But he ran through the desert and was leading you guys toward what looked like to be a orc fight fighting some minotaurs and oh yeah we had that halloween uh, special where we had uh, mason Morhees mm-hmm. that fight um it turned out yeah. when when he died he turned into i forgot he just sort of like disintegrated um, he sunk down into the sand yeah, yeah he came up from that water Mm-hmm. In that in that area, um, did you guys know um, where you were? Did you know that you were in a in a Minotaur station where they were trying to identify who was orc and who was in the uh, the the precincts? Yes, or like the screen. Yes. I think I remember. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that we knew that the Minotaurs were in charge there. Because I think when we're outside, we saw some Minotaurs beat up and kill someone. Yeah, so as a... And saw a transformation. Yeah, when people died, they... So the only way that you could tell yeah. as to whether or not someone was who they, who they really were was essentially if they died or the potion wore off. But this potion is so strong, you know, I mean, Mason Morhees is that... The manifestation of Shar's evil. Yes, exactly. So once you drink it, you're pretty much stuck until you go through a, a separate um, sort of magic field or whatnot that was in the Minotaur station. Which was interesting because you guys decided to all turn into other things. Once you figured that out, it was hilarious. Aaron was like, I'm going to take a little bit of this orc skin, a little bit of this other guy's skin. Yeah, it, it just started becoming like a creepy serial killer collection box like various strips of skin uh, one labeled (laughs) what was that each piece of skin was labeled knew who it was from what creature it was i had uh written down i'm trying to find them here i had written down quotes like uh, like i always do i I always research (laughs) i find it easier to start with like you know the greats in the literature and also just like quotes like let's let's get a bunch of war quotes out there there's a bunch of like uh full metal jacket quotes i was like can't really use that private pile in this one but (laughs) it was very very funny but i ended up going into this like station and i wanted the station to feel sort of like not necessarily like an auschwitz but like if you weren't a minotaur you were going to get thoroughly interrogated just so everyone was trying to just hide uh, and lie to each other and so on and so forth there was that honey i shrunk the kids moment you guys so the way what happened was you you snuck in you were following Sidney crosby and he went into a room and there was nothing you couldn't see anything but this crystal you touched the crystal and you guys shrunk down to little miniature yourselves and you walked in uh through the cracks past some mice and you found this massive uh, the minotaur at his uh potion table how did you how did you like that is that a good this was yeah, like the felt... first time i feel like i take i took directly from the movies in the shadow hide realm like i had mason Morhees, the honey i shrunk the kids it felt very much like it was a puzzle to be solved at that point like when we were that small and the only 
other creature was a massive minotaur. We're like, okay. And we soon found out that uh, as little creatures, he could easily kill us. So it felt like we had to be careful, be stealthy, and figure out this puzzle as quick as we could. Yeah, I, I just, I really want to get this, um, these quotes. They're absolutely hilarious. So when you walk through the, uh, the Minotaur station, the uh, precinct, I was mm-hmm. actually had in, had in mind that they were like old cops, just trying to like, you know, we had a, a clip before in a previous episode um, where I was trying to figure out like, okay, now, now, how close are we going to go to being like ultra nerd? Is there a language for Minotaur? So you turn into a Minotaur, but do you start talking Minotaur? Do you forget your language? So I felt like we had that conversation. And I think that we came to the conclusion that you can all talk Minotaur. It wasn't, you know, it's like if you were to just turn into a, a different animal. I think, I think that's where with the accent stuff came in it's like you may not speak minotaur like you may not be able to speak the language but you can try and fake it by the player actually trying the the accent what the minotaurs were okay so what because it's like we we didn't know like their language but we still could try and play off that we were yeah them as best we could with like actually doing that terrible accent that was hilarious was that yeah. the New Yorker one? Yeah, that was the uh, Brooklyn. Hey, hey, doing. So whenever they talked, it was that was great. We've got a good role play, and that's also like important because um, it kind of like stretched the boundaries of our role play as a, as a group. Putting you guys through that, putting me through that, um, kind of like let me know and everyone else know that like okay, this is going to be happening now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so here's a here's a quote. Uh, Minotaur says, uh, spies are liars who strive to make the, their end games justify their means. Just assume the information is more. This was taken straight from a, one of those cop shows. It's so funny. What a great. So many quotes. One of them's like, I'm too old for this shit. Another one said, uh, they're like, dang it, dang it, Chip, she got away again. And like I, I kept on throwing these in, but I don't think anyone anyone picked up on them. No, we did not pick up. <laughs> we were so focused on everything else. So another example of like over. Uh, I think I over. I might have over prepared for this one. Well, here's a here's a question. Did you enjoy saying those quotes at the time? Oh, absolutely, hilarious. Then it wasn't over preparing because you have fun, and you get to have fun as a DM. It's true. It's absolutely. So even if you do stuff in the game for yourself, that's okay. You can have fun too. Oh yeah, and so when you guys left the labyrinth um, or the processing center, that's when you ran mm-hmm. into the Doom Hand, and I had I had planned um, a Doom Hand encounter. Didn't know quite how that was going to go, but that was the first time that I showed you his real strength. Now you gotta remember. Oh, he, now I remember that fight. He had left and. Uh, was able to rejuvenate and everything he came back mm-hmm. as a DM playing a level 20 wizard against people who are level 6 sure you're going to hold your punches obviously so that's when I had the red sage come through and the mm-hmm. red sage um, this was my favorite part the red sage was actually a combination he was part minotaur part 
orc and part centaur. And he was supposed to be the love portion of that red that I spoke about earlier and mm-hmm. bring bring the cultures together. Sort of cool. sync with, yeah, Pargu. But I had him uh, almost sacrifice himself for Aranus when he was cornered by the skeleton doomhand, I believe. Yeah. And then that's when you guys took his head. That quote, that old quote. Uh, what was the quote for the uh, the, the sages? Take uh, my head, take my skull. I don't remember it. Yeah. I remember. I remember. I never remembers take it. Take my head, take my skull. Yeah. Something and like that. So whenever you want to get the skull from the sage, you have to decapitate him and take the piece of skull mm-hmm. um, out of his head. So these sages actually have absorbed these pieces of skulls into their minds. So. You actually have to kill the sage or have the sage sacrifice herself or himself um, in order to, to do that, which is kind of cool. It sets up that roleplay interaction where you, you don't really want to do it. Like in the Artemisian, the Artemisian forest, uh, you got a note that said you gotta you have to convince Gabrielle to kill herself, which was sick. That was that that was hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, the white sage was a little different. Yeah, the white sage was. She's like all about to start Shadowhide Realm. You know funny? I had, I had a whole bunch of shadow monsters coming up. Did you guys did not? Um, again, no nope. prepared. Did not see that coming. But I you, you did. You did have one that was terrifying. The one that sucked people into the stone. What was your favorite part of the Shadowhide Realm? Like, what was your what are the, your things that you remember? My favorite part was the uh, Decamend things. Oh, of course. That whole like we finally get away from Doomhand. Was Doomhand before or after that? I think it was Doomhand was before was, that. Yeah, Doomhand was before that. Before that. So then we get two orc guides who are leading us to Centaur Place or somewhere. I think it was there. And we come across this on the way and they on traversing one map they both get engulfed in flames at separate times and torched. We uh, find this frozen deck with a place where you could put your hand on it. And so it put our hand on the color associated with the, the skull that we were. So at that time, I was Lone Star. I put my hand on the green skull. Aranus is on the red. And we could draw from the deck of many things. Yeah. And that was, it was only the the three of us at the time. Aranus, yeah. Brock, and, and Lone Star. And Aranus and Sprock both got... 50,000 XP. I got a freaking demon after myself. I What I liked about that was, uh, well, two things. One, when you miss a session, sometimes you miss Such some good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, man, I remember when Matt and uh, Mike. Yeah, Matt and Mike came back. You missed it. You missed yeah. it. But one of the, the main thing that I liked about that was, you know, here I am as a DM. You pull the demon card. The demon card says, that you are you are now possessed well not you're possessed but you are a demon is coming to kill you essentially yeah um, and I was about to take that demon and plop him right back right onto the on the map onto the map so as a DM I was about to make this horrible horrible mistake and and pull the trigger um, irresponsibly without knowing the power of that of that actual deck in the hands of the player um, and you stopped me and you said hey 
um, you actually sidebarred me and said, hey, can we maybe make it so the demon slowly possesses you? And that was so cool. That opened up a whole a whole world for me. So DMs, when you're out there um, and you're doing your thing, listen to your players. Uh, the demon slowly, every every session would would play with Lone Star. He would make him purposely miss. You know, every now and then, maybe I had like one or two times that I could make, um, you know, I wouldn't make him die, but I would make him miss or I would make him hit the wrong person or um, I would make him say something or, you know, so on and so forth um, until it became too overwhelming. Once the time had gone on, um, it became too overwhelming where you were starting to affect the group. Um, mm-hmm. and it took such a long. It was so funny because we, we actually, you and I, kept that secret from the group. Well, be, you started slugging people. To be fair, Lone Star was a chaotic, evil character, and so he was very good at hiding stuff like that. And only when he couldn't hide it anymore, and people were noticing things before that came up, and he talked his way out of like, "Oh no, that's just that normally happens." So that, that was a really fun role-playing moment of that. Of so like, funny. I get to try and hide something from everyone else, and it's great. So you guys were just about to exit um, Act 3 or 4. Yeah, Act Act 3, uh, which was the Shadowhide Realm. Um, and you guys were going to start on your way towards Act 4, which is just past that room. And you, you had an encounter with a statue essentially like a golem of some kind and mm-hmm. you were about to hit this guy with with um full force and yep. i texted you and i was like mm, you're gonna have to target matt and matt as soon as you hit matt and he's he just like went unconscious get unconscious he, he was like wait a minute what? why is he doing that and then you guys decided to well and, the, to, and then i uh, healed him yeah pick him up and he didn't say thank you that was so good. I forgot when when you guys teleported to your homeland, but that's for uh, that's for another story. That's for another one. But I think the takeaway here from the, the Shadowhide Realm was it is very cool to turn into other 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 creatures. It's very cool. It helps with the role play, but also like pay attention to your players. You know, if if, if Chris you hadn't had said that, then I would have just had a really powerful villain have to somehow die or kill all you guys it's not well, i think the thing that caused that is I, was, I knew that if you dropped like a demon that you would want to do for that card it would just wipe us immediately i'm like no we need some time to build up to this oh man that was such a good card and like you know we're, we're obviously going to come back to this demon uh at another episode maybe we'll talk the topic will be demons um but uh man he was so good he, he was on my shoulder the whole yeah, time the whole entire time and he was always whispering you something along the lines of i'm going to take everything that you cherish away from you and he did mm-hmm. and he yep. did it was great what a good role play experience that was mm-hmm. completely home brewed at the table not something we <laughs> planned that's probably yeah. one of the better things that dungeon dragons has to offer so, yeah well that, I would say, in summary, the Shadowhead realm, it, it showed the uh, the beauty of having some flexibility in your structure. Oh, like yeah. you have the foundation, but you threw so much other random and like all the movie the falls from movies into it, just like dumping all this all this everything. 
making this big pot of soup, this gumbo. Yeah, I just, I just think um, I was still relatively new, um, and I think I started small. I did it right. Uh, I think the way that you do it, if you're a new DM, start small. I start in a small, tight dungeon so that you don't have to overwhelm yourself with details, and go from there and slowly open up. And we opened up to a massive desert with a lot of stuff going on, um, and rely on the mm-hmm. players. It's great. It's awesome. Well, from from there, it opened up even more. Don't worry, Chris. We're we'll, get we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we might have to. We'll get... know, maybe when we talk about that, we're going to invite one of the other players uh, to join us on, the, on the, yeah. the, next, uh, the next episode. But until mm. then, stay tuned. DMs, listen to your players. Players, try to expand the world for your, for your DM. Peace. <laughs>